In the afternoon of September 7, Foreign Affairs Secretary Teddy Boy Loxin makes a bombshell announcement via Twitter. President Rodrigo Duterte, he says, has pardoned Lance Corporal Joseph Scott Pemberton, the U.S. Marine who killed transgender Filipina Jennifer Laude in October 2014. He says, quote, Cutting matters short over what constitutes time served, and since where he was detained was not in the prisoner's control, and to do justice, the president has granted an absolute pardon to Pemberton, here at the palace. Immediately, the hashtag Justice for Jennifer Laude trends online. Minutes later, hashtag Trans Lives Matter trends. The tweets are full of rage and despair, full of accusations against government. The government is called transphobic. The administration, people say, favors foreigners over its own people. Presidential spokesman Harry Roque is called a traitor to the Laude family. The United States is slammed for the lopsided visiting forces agreement with the Philippines. Sympathy pours in for Jennifer Laude and her family. Later, the call for hashtag Duterte trends too. The outcry is triggered by the release from a jail of the killer of a transgender Filipina. She just wanted to make a living despite the discrimination against her and her community. But even after her death, she suffers discrimination. As her family grieves, her killer walks free. His road to liberation paved by no less than her own president. Hello, I'm Rambo Talabo, Rappler's police and crime reporter. This is Rappler's crime podcast, Criminal. We revisit crime stories that are significant in understanding Philippine politics and society. This is our third episode, where we will dive into the case of Jennifer Laude. They called her Ganda. Beautiful. 26-year-old Jennifer Laude never went a day without makeup. But it wasn't just skin deep. It's more than just Jennifer's good looks that her loved ones remember and cherish. Jennifer was born a boy but as early as five years old, she already identified as a girl. Her family did not mind because she was a good girl. She was born into a family with two sisters and a solo parent. She lost her father when she was just three years old. By 18, she started wearing clothes made for girls. She was even allowed to wear a girl's uniform in college, studying hotel and restaurant services. She worked part-time at a beauty salon and continued working in a parlor when she graduated. She sent most of her earnings to her mother, which was used to renovate their home. Still, life is difficult in the Philippines, and Jennifer became a sex worker in Olongapo City in Zambales. She wanted the good life for her siblings and mother. Olongapo is known for bars, clubs, restaurants, and motels targeting foreigners. It first boomed in the 60s and 70s as a sin city, attracting American servicemen stationed in a nearby U.S. naval base in Subic. The base was closed down in 1992, but American soldiers continue to frequent the city as the Philippines hold joint military exercises with the U.S. Though people frowned on her work, Jennifer continued sending money to her family. When friends asked for help, she would lend them money, even shelter. She eventually found love online. His name was Mark Susselbach, a German who accepted Jennifer even after she came out to him as a transgender in 2012. 
they regularly held video calls and Mark even visited Jennifer once. Mark proposed to Jennifer in December 2013. They planned to marry in 2015 in Thailand and live in Germany afterwards. Their plans were cut short after Jennifer was killed by an American soldier in October 2014. October 11, 2014. It's a Saturday night. Establishments are full of guests and entertainers. Along the main street, Magsaysay Drive, is a disco bar where 26-year-old Jennifer dines and drinks with her friend, Barbie Helviro. At around 11 p.m., a white man from another table approaches them. He introduces himself. His name is Scott. Scott Pemberton is a 19-year-old anti-tank missile operator from New Bedford, Massachusetts. He is one of thousands of Americans who participate in joint exercises with the Philippine Armed Forces. With the exercises over, Pemberton and the U.S. Marines spend their leave in Alongapo City. Scott and Jennifer agree to take their fun elsewhere, to a motel across the street. Barbie tags along at the request of Jennifer. They arrive at around 11.05 p.m. Jennifer and Scott check into room number one. Barbie, meanwhile, meets another foreigner inside the motel and checks in to another room. 30 minutes later, Scott walks out the room and leaves the door slightly open. Sensing something is wrong, the receptionist checks inside the room, but leaves after seeing that Jennifer's slippers are outside the bathroom. The receptionist thinks Jennifer is just using the toilet. Another 15 minutes pass. Scott does not return, and the door to the room remains open. Barbie is already waiting for Jennifer outside. The receptionist checks again, this time entering the bathroom. There, he finds Jennifer naked, covered only in a cream bedsheet, slumped over the toilet with her head submerged in the bowl. He tries to wake her, but she does not move. Jennifer is dead. You're listening to the third episode of Criminal, Rappler's Crime Podcast. How is it so far? If you want to listen to other cool and informative audio, check out other Rappler podcasts on SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. This crime podcast wouldn't have been possible without your support. If you haven't yet, support Rappler by joining our community called Rappler Plus. Rappler Plus believes in speaking truth to power, using technology for the greater good to power communities to action. Go to rappler.com plus for more details. The day after the killing, police announced that a transgender was slain by asphyxiation in Alongapo City by a white man. The search is difficult because witnesses can only agree that the killer was a male, white foreigner with a military haircut and an American accent. The description fits thousands of United States soldiers visiting the Philippines. Luckily, the search doesn't last long. The next day on October 13, the Marine Corps Times, a U.S.-based newspaper, reports that a U.S. Marine had been detained over the killing of Laude. Three other Marines are detained for being possible witnesses. Their names are not released. The Marines are detained inside USS Peleliu. 
one of the docked U.S. warships in the Philippines in Zambales. On October 14, the suspect is finally named by the Philippine National Police, Scott Pemberton. Marilu Laude, Jennifer's sister, files a murder complaint against Pemberton on October 15. Pemberton is charged in December 2014, and the murder trial begins at the Olongapo Regional Trial Court, Branch 74, in March 2015. The decision is handed down in December 2015. During the trial, testimonies and forensic investigation reveal details of Jennifer's killing. The doctor who conducted the autopsy says Jennifer was hit and then strangled before she was drowned in the toilet bowl. One of Pemberton's colleagues, Marine Lance Corporal Jean Michael Rose, testifies that Pemberton admitted to him he had choked Laude on the night of her death. Rose recalls Pemberton telling him, I choked her wrapped my arms around her until she stopped moving, and dragged her towards the bathroom. Even Pemberton's team leader, Lance Corporal Christopher Miller, recalls Pemberton telling him, might have fucked bad and killed somebody. For his defense, Pemberton's lawyers calls in his mother, Lisa, who says that her son would never kill anyone. Scott Pemberton takes the witness stand for the first time in August 2015, and denies killing Jennifer. He admits to choking her after he found out that Jennifer had male genitals. He says that after Jennifer lost consciousness, he tried to revive her by dragging her inside the bathroom and using water to wake her up. On December 1, 2015, the Olongapo court convicts Pemberton of homicide. This is a painful downgrade for the Laude family, who wanted a murder conviction. Sa ngayon po natapos na po yung laban, pero parang hindi pa po totally tapos kasi hindi naman po kami parang contento doon sa binigay na hatol o decision laban kay Pemberton. Nasihan naman ako doon sa pagbasa dahil inisa-isay ni Maymay talaga lahat kung paano ginawa kay Ganda. Pero hindi ako contento doon sa sinabing anim na taon hanggang sampu. Bakit ganun? If he had been convicted of murder, Pemberton would have been jailed for up to 40 years. The Olongapo court orders Pemberton imprisoned from 6 to 12 years. The court later reduces the sentence to a maximum of 10 years of detention after Pemberton's camp appeals the homicide conviction. Throughout and beyond the trial of Scott Pemberton, two government policies impact the case the VFA, and the GCTA. The VFA, which stands for the Visiting Forces Agreement, is an agreement between the Philippines and the United States that the U.S. can send soldiers to the Philippines. In exchange, the U.S. patrols Philippine waters against invaders, assists in battling terrorism, and responds to natural disasters. The visiting forces in the agreement are the U.S. soldiers. Included in the agreement is the privilege afforded to these visiting forces. A U.S. soldier who commits a crime in the Philippines will not be detained in jails like other crime suspects and convicts, but in detention areas agreed upon by the U.S. and the Philippine government. The agreement spares a U.S. soldier from incarceration in highly congested Philippine jails, where convicts suffer subhuman conditions and where prison gangs rule. This provision was invoked in the Subic Rape case of 2006, where Lance Corporal Daniel Smith was confined in the U.S. Embassy in Manila instead of a Philippine jail, despite the order of the judge in the case. 
this provision is invoked again after Pemberton's conviction. The United States refuses to give Pemberton to the Philippine National Police for transportation to the new beloved prison, as ordered by the judge. Pemberton is turned over only after the Philippine Department of Justice intervenes and orders his detention inside Camp Aguinaldo, where he has been staying since he was first detained. Since his conviction, he has been in a special facility in the headquarters of the Armed Forces of the Philippines. The GCTA, on the other hand, stands for Good Conduct Time Allowance. Literally, it refers to the time reduced from a prison sentence due to a convict's good conduct under detention. In this sense, time reduction is an incentive for good behavior. The Olongapo Court surprises the public on September 2, 2020, when it says that Pemberton's 10-year sentence has been reduced to just 5 years and 10 months, after factoring in the GCTA he has earned. Having been detained since 2014, the court says Pemberton can walk free. Lauda's family questions the computation behind Pemberton's GCTA arguing that Pemberton is not qualified for GCTA as it was not part of the benefits agreed upon in the VFA. Pemberton is also detained in a special facility in Camp Aguinaldo, making him a special case that should not be covered by the GCTA, they say. The Department of Justice says the court's release order cannot be enforced unless the family's petition is resolved. But before anything moves forward, President Rodrigo Duterte railroads the proceedings, issuing an absolute pardon for Pemberton. What is an absolute pardon, and why did it spark so much criticism? A pardon is a form of clemency issued by the president after someone has been convicted. It erases the punishment ordered on a convict. There are two types. Absolute pardon and conditional pardon. Duterte pardons Pemberton on September 7 without any conditions. In granting Pemberton pardon, Duterte effectively makes a clear path for the U.S. soldiers' release, a path previously blocked by the Laude family when it questioned the Marines' GCTA computation and eligibility. Duterte says, This is justice that Pemberton deserves. He says Pemberton should be afforded GCTA. He argues, since there are no records to prove or disprove the good conduct of Pemberton, it is unfair to deprive him of a sentence reduction because of good behavior. While many Filipinos clamor for justice for Jennifer Laude, Duterte sees the reverse. He wants justice for Scott Pemberton. Detaining Pemberton in his special facility in Camp Aguinaldo longer, Duterte says, is a case of injustice that must be corrected. You have not treated Pemberton fairly, so you release go. Pardon. Leftist groups denounce the move. Aside from calling it a mockery of justice, they also say it's servility to U.S. imperialist interests. Called Tatay Digong by his supporters, Duterte's rhetoric casts him as a father and protector of the common man. His action goes against that image as he chooses to grant freedom to a white American man who killed a Filipino, one who belonged to the marginalized LGBTQ community. <music> Pemberton's 
Pemberton's pardon is the latest in a series of policy shifts and sidesteps after Duterte declared he was dumping the Americans in favor of the Chinese at the start of his term. Over the course of four years in office, he consistently attacks the United States, disparages a former ambassador, and calls former President Barack Obama names. That culminates in the cancellation of the Visiting Forces Agreement in February 2020. This after the United States cancels the visa of his favored sidekick, former police chief Bato de la Rosa, who is also the first implementer of his centerpiece program, the War on Drugs. But that termination was short-lived. The VFA was restored in early June 2020. Some speculate the administration is repairing damaged friendships to gain access to the earliest viable COVID-19 vaccine. Whether they are made by the Chinese, the Russians, but more likely by the Americans. For whatever reason, Duterte ultimately chooses to let go of an American who killed a Filipino.